Love Yours, an experimental podcast. Okay, so we are on the second podcast episode and I'm Charlotte Tahira. And in case this is the first time you're listening, this is an experimental podcast that I've decided to pursue where I'm going to use black authors to help me on my journey to self-love. I'm a big advocate for self-love already, but I think I have a lot of growing to do personally. And I'm guessing you're going to come along this journey with me. So just to get you up to speed, I'm currently reading Charlemagne the God, Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who create it. Now in episode one, I'd only read the introduction and I'm coming back strong in episode two because I've now read the first chapter. The first chapter is called, It's Not the Size of the Pond. Now, when I first read that was the name of the chapter, I was thinking about something a mentor of mine, Gavin Douglas, said to me about, it's always better to be a big fish in a small pond than a small fish in a big pond. I think that's how it goes. So reading through this chapter... I've learned a lot about Charlemagne. We have more in common than what I initially thought. He refers to himself as an instigator as a child. And I mean, the second after I read that, I started laughing. And I turned to my husband and I said, Charlemagne calls himself an instigator. And he said, oh, you mean how you like to instigate things? I don't know if I'm actually an instigator or if I just... I just like to be in the know and I just like to be the person who's connecting the dots. And so sometimes that means I have to start that conversation or make that move or bring those people together. I think my intentions are always positive. If you want to call that instigating, then maybe. He also mentions that he had to be home before dark as a child. And I can't even imagine the amount of times I've heard my dad say to me, You better get home before it gets dark. By the way, my dad is American. I'm not just putting on an American accent for banter. Um, And in winter, that was really difficult because it got dark at 4pm. So I'd finished school at 3.15 and I literally had to leg it home to get home. So in this chapter, he also goes on to talk about his supernatural experiences and with the supernormal. And I'm not going to lie, like even in the book, he says that he, he doesn't care if people believe him or not but this is what happened to him. And I'm like reading now and I'm like, why are you not talking about this pond? Like, this is what I'm reading this book for to grow and you're telling me about your supernatural, supernormal experiences. I don't care. And then I got to page 16. So I get to this quote from a guy called Rakim and he said, it ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. Now, this message really resonated with me. I grew up in Lewisham. It's a very diverse borough of London. It is known for having a lot of ethnic minorities and a lot of underprivileged people from working class backgrounds who usually work um, as tradespeople or key workers. If you grow up in Lewisham, there's always this kind of perception that you're not in Chelsea you're not in Shepherd's Bush you're in Lewisham 
And even when I talk to my friends who aren't from South and aren't from Lewisham, when I say I'm from Lewisham, they always kind of give a little, hmm, Lewisham. Actually, I absolutely loved growing up in Lewisham. Some of my most memorable life experiences happened in Lewisham. Um, whether that was career-wise, creative-wise, or just personally. So, I really resonated with that quote. It ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. Because the thing is as well, there's also a lot of people who I know, who grew up in my area of Lewisham, who when I first told them that I was going to go work in radio, they found it hilarious. They found it so unrealistic and so untouchable and now I get those same people going I'm so proud of you Charlotte but I think that the message is your mindset is what is going to take you to the next opportunity to the next level if you have that mindset that you're from Lewisham from a working class background from an ethnic minority and so it's impossible then it will be impossible I never had that problem as a child from a really young age I really believed I could achieve more than what was around me I never went on family holidays in fact my first family holiday was me my mum my sister going to visit my granddad in Grenada and I was 23 24 and I paid for my ticket that is the first time I'd ever been on holiday with one of my parents other than obviously traveling from Canada to London where I was born in Canada but that's another story but a holiday that was my first family holiday it took 23 years and me paying for my ticket for me to go on a family holiday and growing up as a child six weeks holidays would come around and I'd go back to school in September and everyone would tell us about these amazing holidays and I used to lie I said oh yeah yeah we spent a week in France where in France Paris oh whereabouts I can't remember because France and Paris were like the only references I had. Till this day, I still haven't been to Paris. I've been to France, but not Paris, ironically. But I used to lie. And I don't think I used to lie because I was a bad child. I used to lie because in my head, I had been to France. Like, I dreamed of being on a stage in New York. Like, from a really young age, I knew that I was going to do something big with my life. I mean, looking at it now at 31, don't think it's as big as what I thought it was going to be as a child, but I knew I wasn't going to basically live that nine to five life and do what was expected of me because of my circumstances. And I think that's so key, especially when you're young. I mean, now I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm more realistic about what's achievable. And I'm not saying that means that I put limits on myself with what I can achieve, but within the time frame and the resources I have around the commitments I have as a wife and a mother, my opportunities and like my goals are much more realistic than when I was a child. When I was a child, in my head, by the time I was 16, I was going to be like an A-list actress in Hollywood. I grew up knowing I had a massive family in America. My dad's one of 11. He's the only one who's not in America. I have over 30 cousins over there and... My plan was to move out there when I was like 15, 16, live with them and start my acting career. Obviously, that didn't happen. That's why I'm here in London making a podcast in my wardrobe. But that belief. And when I look at my siblings, I was the only one like that. 
And when I look at what they've achieved out of their goals and their dreams, excluding my sister who has a lifelong illness of sickle cell and fibromyalgia, but if I look at all my other siblings, I'm the only one who really believed they could do more and actually did it. I think the rest of them have settled for the life that was pre-assigned to them because of their circumstances. My brother could have been an amazing accountant. My other brother really wanted to start his own business, but he kept jumping back and forth about what the business would be about. Uh, I've got another brother who's a chef who does that up and down. But my point is, they settled for the life in front of them rather than thinking of the life that could be theirs and aiming towards it. And I think that's one thing after reading this chapter that I can confidently say as I'm on this self-love and discovery journey, I'm glad that I do that. I make mood boards. I write goals on my calendar. Obviously, I don't complete everything. One of my goals was to get a fat ass. And I still ain't got none of that. But (laughs) as far as like where I see myself, where I'm headed to, it's always been a much bigger thing than what is in front of me and what I can actually see. So my imagination, my dreams, I've consciously worked towards them non-stop since I realized what they were from really young I wanted to be a creative I wanted to be an actress actually I think it took me going to university and falling in love with radio at university that made me then pursue an audio career but it was still in media and it was still creative so I've always known that, that I wanted to do something creative at the time I didn't know that I wanted to do something creative I always known I wanted to do something fun <laughs> and that just happens to me what is fun is using my creativity but I really like this chapter I feel like I was getting a bit of a history lesson reading it he tells me a lot about the history of the areas where he grew up their links to the slave trade and he drops some books titles that I really need to look into and he also mentions that to grow you need to read outside of your comfort zone and read books from different perspectives and actually (laughs) this podcast I've done the complete opposite I've gone I'm going to read all black authors and champion them when maybe it will benefit me to read books from other perspectives to help develop my mindset because I guess the reason I thought I would connect well with black authors is because we have a lot in common I can relate to them but the growth really comes out of the uncomfortableness doesn't it so reading a book by someone who I can't relate to will open up my eyes to see things in a different angle. I feel like I'm going all over the place here, but he also says that you shouldn't stunt your growth by dismissing something because it doesn't feel familiar. This is a really common problem of mine with my career. I have all these dream brands that I'm familiar with, that I want to work with, that I reach out to and often get ignored by. And sometimes people reach out to me or brands reach out to me who are I wouldn't initially associate myself with but they end up being the strongest relationships an example so I'm from Lewisham I let you know that and Lewisham were going for their bid of 2021 to get the borough of culture award and this basically means that they're going to get loads of funding into their borough to support young underprivileged creatives to make content and make amazing work now when my friend Nathan reached out to me initially and said oh Lucia Mayer and the the Borough of Culture Award I just went oh what 
I mean, yeah, it's Lewisham, I love Lewisham, but you sound like you're talking French to me because I only understand politics when it's explained in real plain English. And I could have easily, quickly shut down that opportunity to collaborate with Lewisham Council, who I would never... They wouldn't be on my mood board. As much as I love Lewisham and I rep Lewisham hard, anyone who knows me knows that, Lewisham Council are not on my mood board. But what's actually happened is I've managed to grow and actually develop the programme that they're putting on for young people and use my skills and my creativity to support young people from my direct hometown, which if I'd initially just gone, I'm not working with Lewisham Council, bunch of old people... I would have never had that opportunity so that opportunity has allowed me to grow and develop my skills and also my network I now have Lewisham Council on my side do you know what I mean like that's crazy this is a borough I grew up in and now I'm talking to their mayor and all their top top bosses about collaborations with little old me and that's what I think he means about dismissing something because it doesn't feel familiar if that was Nike who'd contacted me it doesn't matter what they'd asked me to do I'd have been like yeah where do I sign and it wouldn't even been a second thought but would I have gained much from it or would it just look good that I was working with a brand that I wear I think that chapter's really helped me assess how I look at opportunities and how I can grow from opportunities that initially may look small or not relevant but actually there's potential in anything it's how you handle that opportunity determines the potential it has he also talks about something that is literally the reason I started this podcast so he says that seeing people like him doing what he's doing doesn't make him envious it motivates him to know if they can do it so can I Now, I think this was the biggest lesson I took from this chapter. I'm the complete opposite. If I see someone like me doing what I'm doing, I think, why are they doing it instead of me? Envy is a serious problem of mine. It's literally the driving force behind this podcast. And I really need to change my mindset on how I look at people doing the things I want to do. Because he's right. There was a time... I wouldn't have seen anyone like me doing anything I want to do and the fact that now there's so much that the competition is so high should only really empower me to know that there's more opportunities now because so many people are getting these opportunities I'm not saying that my mindset's going to change after reading that chapter I still have to limit my time on Instagram and be cautious of what I allow myself to witness because that impacts my mood but I do need to try and begin to change my mindset on how I look at those opportunities that people have it's not an indirect to me it's not they didn't get that opportunity to make me feel bad do you know what I mean it's nothing to do with me you probably don't even know that I think like that so I need to do some work on myself And I need to reflect on when I do see people doing amazing things that look similar to me. Why does it make me so annoyed? Why can't I be more genuinely happy for them? And I'm not saying I'm never happy for anyone. Because obviously I've got a lot of friends who do similar things to me. And I'm really proud and I always celebrate their achievements. But then there's also other people who look like me who aren't particularly friends. They're just in the same industry as me who I look at and think, what's so special about her? 
when I should be celebrating how special she is because she got that opportunity and congratulating her because there was a time when she was me waiting for that opportunity. I think that chapter, I think it really addressed my attitude towards other people's success and the internal work I have to do to be able to celebrate that success rather than envy it. And there's one other really big message that I took away from that chapter. Charlemagne talks about how in times of feeling stuck or kind of, you know, when you're in your flow as a creative and you just feel like you're a bit stuck in a rut or you're just a bit complacent in your roles or your opportunities that you're doing, he expressed that you need to reconnect with your core. Reconnect with the person before all of this. So for me, I need to reconnect to the Sharla before the industry corrupted her because he was explaining how that energy, that pure excitement, joy, curiosity that you started with is what's going to keep you going. And I think I have lost a massive part of that. I think all the rejections, all the missed opportunities, all the comments, all the doubters, all the haters, it's made me very cynical. When I meet presenters now, the first thing I ask them is, are you definitely sure you want to be a presenter? That's not for me to put that on them, but I'm so cynical about the journey of the presenter that when I think back to Sharla, who was just so excited to just be at an event as press on a red carpet, I weren't even interviewing anyone. I was actually doing like behind the scenes, like assistant producing. And I was just full of life and full of light. And I think this struggle, I mean, it's been seven years for me almost, my presenter journey, has really kind of damaged my initial, my initial kind of, I don't know how to explain it because the passion is still there. And when the opportunities arise, I still give it 100%. Like it's my first ever gig. I always look at my last gig has to be my best gig because you're only ever as good as your last gig so it's not that my effort has weakened but I definitely don't enjoy the process of the journey as much as I used to and I think that's because of all the influences or the negative influences more specifically along the journey who've put me off who've made me think it's untouchable who's changed my mindset about that child who was just going to be this big A-list actress, that energy that I had has been really dampened and really weakened by a lot of exterior forces, exterior people who've put that self-doubt in me. It's quite sad to think about, to be honest, because I've always been full of life. I've always wanted to do a job that makes me happy. And it's sad to know that one of the main reasons that presenting now seems like so unattainable to me is other people's influence. Of hearing that my station manager at a previous station thinks my voice is annoying. Of hearing you're not black enough, but you're also not Caucasian enough. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that constant knocking down of my character that has made me lose sight of who Charlotte was when she first started who just wanted to meet new people make amazing content and put it on a platform that was it that was all I wanted to do and I've always said that whether I make it as a presenter or not I'll always find a way to use my voice I love it 
I've always been a chatterbox. I've always liked socialising with people. I've always liked connecting. And I just need to remember that. I really need to remember that. When I'm doubting myself that you're you're doing this because you love it. It's okay. It's okay, Charlotte. God, I didn't mean to get so emotional. And it's back to that quote, isn't it, that I read earlier. It ain't where you're from. It's where you're at. It's a really good one. There's quite a few good quotes in this chapter, actually. So I'm going to wrap up this episode with the quote that actually opens this chapter. It doesn't state who this quote is from um, in the book, but it's a good one. Geographical location doesn't determine what kind of success you will have, but your psychological position always will. How are you going to make waves in a bigger pond when you haven't even learned how to cause a ripple in the pond you're in? When you stop complaining about where you are physically and start focusing on where you are mentally, that's when you will start to transcend your circumstances. Let's just let that sink in a little bit. It's a deep one. So that's what I've learned from chapter two. Um, I'm going to try and implement some of those things, those processes into my day-to-day life before I move on to chapter three. Chapter three is pick your passion, poison or procrastination. It's called PYP. And I'll be sharing about that chapter in the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you cried with me, keep crying, lay it out. Um, If you're angry, however you're feeling, share. Let's communicate. Let's talk about this. This is therapy for me and it's therapy for you. And it's free therapy. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes just talking is enough to begin with. Okay, I will see you on the next episode. Don't forget to share, follow, subscribe. You can always find me at Charlotte Tahira if you want to catch up. Love yours, an experimental podcast.